Nonetheless, Thursday morning, good to be with you. It's 13 minutes past 10 right now. Once again, invite you to join us on Facebook Live or just kick back and relax because Steve Vines is here. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm pretty relaxed-ish. Ish. I can tell. Ish. Well, lots yeah. of things going on this week, so flip the coin in the air, Steve, and uh, take it away. Well, let, let, let's start with a, 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 an absolute, I mean, as, as, as we say in newspapers, a bombshell revelation which comes from no less than the um, chief executive in name only, the CNO, who, who, who held an interview. She always does interviews now just with the um, pro-Beijing press, but she held a, a joint interview with various members of the slave press. And she said in the course of this, on the record, she said, oh, I, I don't listen to criticism. She said, it's, it's a complete waste of time. And... Um, you know, I've got far more important things to do than listen to criticism. Uh, I wonder if she's related to the Carrie Lamb, who last year said, I'm going to be listen humbly, listening humbly to what people have to say. I mean, uh, I know a year is a long time in politics, goodness me. And I'm not surprised. I mean, it's not a revelation that she doesn't listen to anybody. I think, I think it's the only thing that's probably keeping her in one piece, to be perfectly honest. I mean, do the sums here. It may well be. I mean, normally politicians say, oh, yes, I hear what you're saying. It's a very important contribution to the <laughs> debate. And then, <laughs> and then they could completely forget it. But she's so arrogant nowadays. She basically says, those people are wrong. I don't have to listen to them. Well, uh, um, Steve, are we talking arrogance or are we talking a human defense mechanism here? I mean, probably both. Way up the probably both. here, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, you're so generous in quick calling that a human defence mechanism. Well, it, 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 sure. You know. <laughs> there is some of that. I don't disagree. I think there is some of that in yeah. there. Yeah, what are you going to say? I, I also the think... core, and then somebody else is going to jump in and say, oh, you're so weak, and so it goes on, and the dominoes fall. Yeah. I mean, this is a devil and deep blue sea job. I mean, the, the, the reality, though, is in political leadership, the political leaders who matter, the political leaders who, who gain credibility are those who listen, who take criticism and address it. I mean, she now, in the latest opinion poll, is ranked at um, 28.6 marks. I mean, this is the lowest among a very motley collection of four failed chief executives. I mean, Carrie Lamb has yet again proved that she's added something to the politics of Hong Kong by proving that there is actually somebody in Hong Kong who could be more unpopular than Lan Chung Ying. I reckon in a situation like this, Steve, sometimes, I mean, I keep saying devil and deep blue sea, but just looking at it from a sort of human point of view, anthropological point of view, fine, take this stance, one step to the left or the right, and the people who are now your friends will be all over you like a rash hating you. I mean, again, what do you think? Well, to doing? be fair to Carrie, her so-called friends hate her as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be fair, the people who used to be in the pro-government camp now go, ooh, I'm not pro-government, I'm a... Pro-China. I so, mean, nobody mm. wants to be part, uh, you know, wants to be part of the Carrie Pallery. There, there is no such thing. She has no friends. She has a few people around her who work for her. She has a few people who she appoints to positions and therefore can't say nasty things about her. Yeah. But, I mean, besides that, she's on her own. This, this humbly listening thing, Steve, are you referring... Alvin's with us on Facebook Live this morning, got a couple of comments coming on in. He says, do you mean yeah. that public forum at the QE Stadium? Only have once, he says. Is that what you're on about? 
Is this, is this from Alvin, did you say? Yeah, the humbly listening bit yeah. one year ago. Yes. Was that at the yes. Kiwi no, Stadium? he's quite right. He's quite right. And he's also quite right to, to remind people that in the great litany of things that haven't happened and were promised to happen, the great listening exercise in consulting the people, which was supposed to have started with this bizarre event in, in the Queen Elizabeth Stadium and was going to go on, uh, never went on again. And if you remember... Did they promise another one? The, sorry? Did they promise another she one? She said, be a, yeah, I she said this is the this. first in the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First in the series. Um, you know, it's like the evidence we're waiting for from Lern Chung Ying about the, uh, the the concrete evidence he has of of how foreigners financed and instigated the 2014 protest six years on. We're still waiting for that. Well, you the know, time, the time mean, is not right, Steve. That was... Uh, the time is not that was right. Infinite, wasn't it? That was infinite. That, you're right. You're right. The time could be right any century now. Um, but on this one, uh, he's quite right to point out this was supposed to be part of a process. But but what happened was that even though all the people who attended this were pre-screened, pre-selected, all that happened was that they all criticised. Well, that's not true. Some people didn't. On the whole, she was subject to criticism. And she thought, what's the point of me going to a forum where people are going to be nasty to me? Bye-bye. Not doing that again. can't blame her. Taking my tack this morning of you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. I mean, think leaders across the world. It's a really unhappy world right now. If they started worrying about criticism and what people thought of them, they'd be in a special kind of hospital. Well, let me let me give you an example, which um, is, is a good one, because it refers to a very difficult situation. I'm talking about Germany, where Angela Merkel, if you remember, was declared to be dead meat because she'd allowed in under her watch, but it, it had been personally her initiative, allowed in all these refugees, a million of them, from various countries in, in the Middle East and, and Africa. And people said, you know, that's it. Angela Merkel's dead. Angela Merkel is now one of the most popular leaders in Europe. Mm. She is. She still bestrides German politics like nobody else. She took the criticism. She made her case. And she's come out on top because people say, even if they don't agree with what she's done, they say, you know, that woman knows how to run a government. That woman has integrity. We may not agree with her, but she knows how to get things done. Do you think it's just because she's quite ordinary person? There's all sorts of pictures of her and her husband going to the shops and this, that and the other. She doesn't sum up in these people's heads the dynamic, you know, charismatic, sexy leader. She's just angular. But you mean like Carrie Lamb? I... You know what I mean. No, no, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, she's deceptively uncharismatic in, in my good, view. In a good way. That's why people... In a good way, yes. Yeah. No, no. I mean, she's not flashy. She, she, she doesn't do rhetorical relish. She is, incidentally, a very coherent speaker. No kidding. I mean, um, my, my German certainly isn't up to understanding most of what she says, but I've seen her on platforms, and it's, it's a tour de force. Yeah. And she is... The other thing is... That, that, and I'm sorry to be boring about this, but she operates in a democratic system where she has to understand that to retain her position, she has to work with others. It's not a either or, it's not an optional out. You can't say, I'm the Chancellor of, of the Federal Republic of Germany and, and I'll tell you what to do. That doesn't work in that system. So she's found a way. Of course, she's used to being coalition governments, which which is helpful in this respect. But she's found a way 
of working with her opponents and being able to connect with the rest of the German nation. Yeah. I want to go to a message here from Mike, who joins us on Facebook Live. Mike Ellis, good morning. He says, good morning. I've always maintained that the only real solution to Hong Kong's problems is for us to have a CE whose sole purpose is to kowtow to our masters in the north on national, quote, matters, and, for the want of a better name, a mayor whose sole purpose is to look after, quote, local issues such as infrastructure, housing, education, healthcare, waste management and all the other matters our inept self-serving government are incapable of dealing with. Now, Mike carries on. Since the local leader will have no jurisdiction on national matters, there is absolutely no reason why they cannot be elected by genuine universal suffrage and they will stand or fall on their own merits. Any thoughts other than dream on? Thanks, Mike. Steve. No. Not even dream on. I think it's um, hogwash. His, his, his logic, though, you see where he's going with no, this. No, I, I think his, 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 his logic is hogwash. Let me say why. Number one, we've got that leader, the one that he says we should have, you know, whose sole job is to say yes to, to Beijing. If he seriously thinks that the politics of cleaning the roads, of reviving the economy and what have you, mayoral is job. somehow non-controversial and can be done by a separate person you must understand first of all that beijing has already said we're going to get involved in this you know why has the policy address been postponed so that carrie lamb can dash up to beijing and get it rewritten there the policy address is supposed to purely focus on the internal matters of Hong Kong. Okay. She's not supposed to be a national leader. Nobody suggests that she's a national leader. So to set up a concept that the problem is that she's tried to be a national leader and failed is to fundamentally un- misunderstand what the role of the chief executive is. The chief executive is indeed supposed to be the mayor of Hong Kong. But, you know, to be a mayor, and, and this isn't new information, to be a mayor is an intensely political job. Some people say, oh, well, you know, mayors of municipalities, they, 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 they manage because, you know, there's less to do. Well, go tell one of those mayors. Politics on a local scale is every bit as complex, every bit as vicious, every bit as complicated as it is on any other scale. Yeah. So dividing these two jobs not only isn't a solution, it's, it's, it's a pile of baloney. I mean... I, I know why I'm supposed to politely say, oh, that's a good idea, and see if it works. It won't work. It's nonsense. I think what he's, he's, no, he's, tr- no he's trying to just come up with something that would work here. I mean, is, I mean yeah, okay, fair well, play. Well, he hasn't come up with it. Okay, all right. No, what, what would work is, I'll tell you what would work. I'll tell you what would work is universal suffrage. Yeah, I hear you. He's talking about perhaps the idea of a nightmare, nightmare, a night mayor that, <laughs> some, that some places have anyway. Anyway, I think the point here is. There's grassroots stuff that needs doing and people feel it isn't yeah, being There is. Done. But grassroots stuff needs doing, but everything is politics. You know, it's indeed. It's, indeed. It's total yeah. nonsense to suggest. Look, I want to build a house here, you want to build a house there. Both questions are about house building, but the allocation of resources to build that house, the provision of the required money to build that house. Balancing the building of a Budgets, house with environmental considerations. These are political considerations. You can't dream it away by by creating this sort of phantom society in which somehow some decisions about society are non-political. It's it's just nonsense. Well, and, it's know, a nice thought, one, yeah. basically. Get stuff done. <laughs> 
But as we it's know, Mike, nice. Mike, I'm assuming you're in Hong Kong. I mean, we have all these districts. We have all the sort of various groups within these districts. How many times do you hear about a group, perhaps in the northwestern New Territory, wants to build a, a fountain that goes quack or whatever, and then a big hoo-ha kicks up about that, and so it goes on? Of course it does. Of course it does. Just because it's on a smaller scale doesn't make it any less controversial to, to the people involved. I mean, where I live in Hong Kong, there's an enormous controversy about building the main road that I connects Hong Kong with the yes. rest of Kowloon. Yes, yes. It requires political leadership to resolve that problem, and it's a very real problem. And I don't belittle it just because it mainly affects this district. It affects people visiting the district, etc., etc. So, you know, there is no fantasy island in <laughs> which controversy you, you've, just, you've just sussed out my next topic. What are your thoughts on the, oh. uh, the big Lantau tomorrow thing at the moment? Um, you mean the scheme to give property developers their due? It has been said. I, I, it has been said. I think I'll say it as well. You know, it's like all of these mega projects. It's a typical wet dream among bureaucrats to have been responsible for a mega project. Legacy merger. Regardless of its consequences. Yep. Look, there is land available and, and there's countless pieces of evidence of this. There is land available particularly within the new territories, for building extensive amounts of housing, be it public or private. That is no longer in question. What is in question is the will of the government to deal with the vested interests in the new territories to acquire this land and to make sure it's ready for development and to provide the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Building a massive, massive, multi-billion dollar scheme um, with terrible environmental consequences is hardly the answer but let's let's retain an, an open mind maybe it would be the answer if hong kong's population rises so exponentially there's no projections to this effect but anyway if that were to happen maybe look at it then at the moment we know where the population predictions are heading and we know what sort of housing is required and we know that the land is available on brownfield sites the reason bureaucrats don't like that is it involves a lot of work. It's bitty. There won't be a great monument to them to say um, that they've done such a fabulous job. Okay. Actually, this is a fantastic opportunity for me just to bring in another white elephant, my favourite white elephant, mm -hmm. where, where we've just had some new figures. These are the figures for the bridge to nowhere, you know, the great Hong kong macau Zhuhai Bridge. We now understand, because they've finally had some figures leaked, that the revenues generated by the bridge in the two years of operation have covered a very impressive 4.3% of its operating costs. 4.3% of its operating costs. Staggering. The white elephant is used by practically no one. Originally, the projections were that, that there would be how many vehicles a day? I'm just looking at my notes. <coughs> they, they, they said um, that there would be uh, 80, 80, possibly 100 odd thousand vehicles a day. The actual figure is more like 3,000. Nothing, nothing that we were told about this ludicrous 100 and sorry, 20 billion US dollar project has proved to be so. Why does anybody seriously think that the, the Lantau reclamation project will be any more successful? You go on the evidence that you've got of mega projects and it's terrible. Terrible. 
<coughs> the bridge I know, <coughs> excuse me, the bridge I know has been um, thwarted like everything else has in Hong Kong by the coronavirus, but that still doesn't explain the fact that it can only generate 4.3% of its operating costs. I mean, mm. that's, that's nonsense. Let's put the lid on for a second. We've got to go to the news. Uh, if you want to get in touch, Morning Brew at rthk.hk and we are on Facebook Live. R-T-H-K, Radio 3. On we go, Steve. Well, lots, lots more happening. Let, let, let's just let's rattle go. through some of it. I mean, the, the very interesting report in the Financial Times this week, quoting people in Hong Kong banks about how they may, under the national security law, mm-hmm. be required to um, report transactions of people who are targeted by the law. And what the what one of the people who was the source of this story, former bank, said, look, if a prominent pro-Beijing politician says X has got an account in our bank, right. we would be obliged to look into it. I mean, this is saying that the banking system in Hong Kong, one of the great pillars of Hong Kong as being a global financial center, is going to be in big trouble because the security of personal data cannot be insured. The immunity of banking from political considerations cannot be insured. And people are gonna look at this and say, my God, really? We're gonna put our assets in a place like that? This is very worrying. I'm, I'm slightly surprised that this hasn't gained much more traction in terms of uh, public interest because it's a very worrying development. Mm. I mean, let me just caution by saying it's not something that's happened, but it's something that's likely to happen. And so when something's likely to happen, maybe the sensible thing is to nip it in the bud. Yeah. Turn to one of the Muppets in government say, would you like to say something to reassure people about this? And you get, oh, yes. The sound of silence. Not good. No, not at all. I've got an email here from uh, Mike, who wrote to me from uh, Thailand, I think. It's about banks. It's interesting. He says, I received my new HSBC credit card the other day and had to validate it. I called the hotline and started the process, which I was asked to enter my date of birth. I entered at uh, blah, blah, blah with the day first and the year last. I would normally only do uh, for it to be rejected. After several attempts, I then realised that what it wanted was the other way around. He says the Chinese format. It's actually the American format as well, isn't it? To go the other way around. Anyway, thanks for getting in touch. He says how times are changing. (laughs) They sure are. The other thing that, 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 that struck me this week, and I, I think maybe the listener would have noticed this, there was yet another case. I mean, they, they, they're occurring literally every day of the week. Another case um, involving protesters. In this case, it relates to an event in New Long on October the 7th, in which two people were arrested for um, taunting policemen and throwing objects at them. The, the evidence given by the police was then very, very sharply contradicted by video footage that they managed to get from news feed, uh, from various news outlets, which showed that not only were they not taunting the police and throwing objects, they were actually be- being beaten up and subject to pepper spray. Now, the, the, pro- the, the good news, let's start with the good news, is the prosecution decided that uh, maybe it'd be a good idea not to pursue this particular case, and they, and they called it off. 
But the implication of this is that the evidence that was given by the policeman, which incidentally they admitted had been coordinated, that the, infi that the evidence given by the policeman was false. This is a criminal offence. Mm. Now, we are not saying that, that, that it's proven that it was false, but it was sufficiently unreliable to have to call off the case. And it seems to be a prima facie case of bringing these particular individuals to court to discover whether or not they had been undermining um, the rule of law, had been lying to a court of law. These are very serious offences. Now, this isn't the first time that evidence provided by uh, police officials has been contradicted unequivocally by video footage. So I ask the question, how many of the individuals who've given this evidence, which has turned out to be unreliable, in some cases evidently mendacious, how many cases have there been prosecutions of police officers for doing that? There's a round figure involved here and it's zero. I mean, if this is happening on a widespread scale and nothing is being done, what signal does that send to you? on restoring the confidence in the police force, which must be restored, I believe, to make society more stable, if policemen are allowed to get away with this sort of thing. Now, I'm not saying they're guilty, but I am saying they should be subject to due process. And due process simply has not even been considered. It's not that it hasn't been done, it hasn't been considered. That's a bit of a worry, I would have thought. This has uh, come back and back in the news a few times, especially recently. Did you see the stuff about the, uh, the judge having graffiti daubed over the wall in Marconi Road yesterday? Yeah. This is becoming a big issue. Um, it is becoming a big issue. I mean, the, what you're talking about is is um, the, these are pro-China the, activists. The rioter-loving judges, etc. I mean... Saying that the judge is being too lenient towards indeed. protesters. Yeah. Um, you know... Mob rule to force judges to, to give the sentences that you'd like to see imposed. It's not a pretty sight. It really isn't a pretty sight at all. Hmm. I, I, and to be fair, I even saw Theresa Cheng, remember her? She's apparently the Secretary for Justice, coming out and saying, oh, maybe that's not a good thing. Very bold of her. Very, very bold. That is very bold, if you think about it, <laughs> relative well, to... I mean, compared Compared with her previous track record, it, it's a breakthrough, frankly, but right. good. Yep. I, I want to ask you something. Do you yes. understand the slight amendments that have been made to the social distancing rules over the past few days? We had a big thing last week about beaches and stuff like this, and I noticed that when these announcements were made about a 30-piece tour group of people from Hong Kong, but still the gathering ban of four people, uh, a couple of news feeds I was watching, people are just going, open the beaches, open the beaches. That, that, was, the, that was the mantra. But it's very interesting. What, what, what you've just said is, is that, that, that um, they, have, they are now allowing these group tours, I suppose they're what you call domestic tourism, of up to 30 people. They're also expanding the number of guests who can go to weddings to 50. I mean, I, I think this is fine, but you can't do that and then say that the rest of the outside is too dangerous. You can go to a sauna, you can get, have a massage, you can go to a karaoke parlor, you can go to a mahjong parlor, you can go to all of these places indoors where apparently you'll be immune from the virus. But if you go into the great outside on a beach, that's closed. If you go to the great outside to a barbecue pit, that's closed. Mm. If you want to go camping, 
in the country parks. That's closed. This doesn't make one iota of sense. Unless, of course, what we're really talking about is politics because of the government's absolute obsessive fear that if you allow people to gather outside, some of them may decide that what they want to do is also to demonstrate against the government. I mean, that I can understand is the real motive. Mm. There's no science whatsoever behind the idea that you could have 50 people at a wedding, 30 people on a group tour. I don't know where they're going to go. Maybe they're going to Tinsoy Wai for, for a happy view of the city of sorrows. I don't know. Yeah. But, and the, but you can't go to a beach. <laughs> This is all bonkers. 101 bonkers. It's suddenly gone a bit weird over the past couple of days. I want to chuck something else at you that's come up on our Facebook live feed. Obviously not a Steve mm. Vines fan, but let's go for it, shall we? No. I'm currently, enough. Jeremy says, I'm currently listening to Steve Vines on RTHK's Morning Brew. In needling tones, he's talking about Carrie Lamb's leadership style, claiming she's arrogant, that he has no friends, and that she's universally hated. You offer nothing but sarcastic opinion and supercilious criticism of the government, leader and policies, and you seldom, if ever, support uh, your contentious opinion with fact or logical argument. Uh, there you go. It goes on. Well, he's entitled to his point of view. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd really like to hear more from you, Jeremy. Perhaps you can tell us exactly can I, can why and that... uh, how you think he's not you know, meeting your expectations he, he's not wrong incidentally I know he's, he's not, not. wrong <laughs> I, I am a critic of the government i don't pretend to be anything other i mean what the pity of this is is that we don't have and i'm not part i'm not standing for any kind of election nor do i wish to do so but i mean the pity of it is that we have so little dialogue between opposing views you have People like me spouting one set of views, people on the other side of the fence sure. spouting other side of views. You very rarely manage to get them both in the same room. I think that's a great pity. I yeah. really do. But um, can I just say I don't apologise to Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> the PS there is why do you refer to people in government as Muppets? This is highly disrespectful term. I think that's probably the point. Oh, gosh. That, that was the politest thing I could think of. But I'll, 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 I'll try and lever that down. All right. Or up. One for the road, Steve. One for the road very quickly. Can I just say that I, for once, I, I sort of agree with the Chinese foreign ministry. I think that this, we've just seen again overnight, um, the United States government banning, or not banning, making um, six media organizations, I think it is, register their reporters in the United States as being foreign agents. I think that what they should be doing is encouraging Chinese media outlets to operate in the United States. Yeah. I know that there's immense restrictions on foreign media outlets operating in China, but I think the United States should have the confidence to say, and I believe this is their view, we have the superior system, we have a more open system, come and have a look at it. I think that would be a better way of dealing with this than, than trying to insert all these curbs on journalists from the mainland. I don't really think that's the way to go. Hmm. And I know they're doing it as tit for tat, and I think it's, frankly, balmy. They shouldn't be doing it that way. Hmm. And anyway, I'm in favour of media organisations. I have that bias. Yeah. Even state-controlled ones. Yeah, absolutely. Go for a bit more on that one, because people will probably say, what, Vines? State-controlled media. Well, but media I, is I media, mean, I think you're going to talk about. <coughs> I, I suppose, just to be fair, we should paint in the background. I mean, this comes on the back of some of America's largest newspapers effectively having been shut down 
on the mainland because the uh, reporters have been expelled. It comes on the back of the, the only two remaining Australian journalists in China having to leave the country because they feared incarceration. It comes on the back of a very tight regime of control of foreign correspondents who are operating on the mainland, all of which, of course, I think is very bad and should be protested. But I think the way of doing that is not just simply to say, oh, our system is so weak, so weak, that the only way we can retaliate is to behave like they're behaving. That, that doesn't strike me as good politics, and it doesn't strike me as sending the right signal. If you believe in media freedom, you have to believe in media freedom for people you don't agree with. Mm. I'm really very unhappy that they've they've decided to move in that direction. Yep. Quickie from Tom, who says nothing from Steve on cafe in the government role and throwing billions into an empty pit. I mean, that's a whole huge topic, Tom. But Steve, if you want to just tickle it for a couple of minutes. I, all, all I would say about that, and I'm very careful talking about this because aviation is not something that I know a great deal about. But I, I would just say this. It's one of the biggest employers in Hong Kong. This is an indisputable fact. It is a, a symbol of Hong Kong. I mean, Cathay, Hong Kong, I put them always in one sentence. So that if there is something to be done to make sure that Cathay retains its status as the Hong Kong flag carrier, and if something can be done, something rather better can be done mm. to look after the thousands of people who are going to be kicked out of work, now would be the time to do it. I don't think the arrangements that Cathay have announced fall up to the mark. I mean, they're in a terrible situation. I don't really criticise them for that. Part of it is of their own making. I mean, their management made appalling gambles on the price of, of aviation fuel, which led them to leaving, le losing literally billions of dollars. But, but that's not the main reason why at the moment the airline is where it is it's where it is because of circumstances frankly beyond their control so yeah it's it's you know by the day we do have it hammered home to us that this virus just ain't going away that's where we're going to leave it take care steve we'll chat next week at the same time right here on the morning brew thanks very much to steve vines <laughs>